0: will understand they're always impacting and influencing others, either positively or negatively. Welcome to Impactful, the podcast, with me, Julia Felton, and my co-host, Andrew Palmer, where we will share strategies and tactics to help you become the leader you've always wanted to be so that you can make a real difference in the world.
1: Welcome, to this impactful podcast and today we will be looking at trust because trust in the middle of this Covid pandemic has become really important in the way that we lead and live our lives and whether it's at home or in the workplace it is becoming apparent that trust is really important. Julia you've been looking at the Edelman Barometer haven't you?
0: Yeah I have Andrew so for listeners who don't know the Edelman Barometer measures trust uh, usually on a yearly basis. So at the beginning of the year, uh, the Edelman Barometer was showing trust at some of the lowest levels. And this is trust with governments, with NGOs, with businesses and stuff like that. Interestingly, at the beginning of the year, society had higher levels of trust with business than with kind of government organizations and no big surprise the media has had. And we've seen that an erosion of trust over the years of people not really trusting what the media says. So trust is this kind of, what's the word I want to use, magnetic quality. I think I think trust is the thing that can make totally the difference in business. But whats what I'm really curious about that's been happening with trust right now is that Edelman just did a second survey as a result of COVID uh, in early, early to mid-April. And actually, businesses came out worst on the trust scale and governments came out best. And I think there's a little bit of a paradox there. I think we probably, because we've been in a situation where people have been frightened, have been under threat, we have looked to the government to make some decisions. They have. So far the decisions have been pretty decent. And as a result, I think people are now beginning to trust the government that they could actually do something well. Whereas businesses ironically haven't done such a great job and their trust levels have dropped and I'm just wondering whether that is because some people have experience of poor leadership within businesses that they've been working for in how those businesses have been dealing with furloughing employees and things like that during the crisis so kind of interesting to see that shift but at the core of it whatever we talk about you know trust is just such a vital commodity in business and life for all of us and I think what we've been seeing is some some changes happening there, and of course, you know, Andrew, you and I've been talking that. Of course, the first person you need to be able to lead and have trust is is yourself, of course.
1: Absolutely, you've got to have trust in yourself, trust that builds your confidence, trust in the decisions that you're going to be making. That comes from how you, from your early life, your early years. That comes from how you you connect with people how you build up that trustworthiness, the how you build up loyalty, and how you influence. And I did like your phrase that you just used a minute ago about magnetic quality for trust. That's really, really important because it does have some form of magnetism. And, and you're right, the leadership in some businesses has gone down as business leaders are not necessarily thinking about the impact that... An erosion of trust can have and to a certain extent we have seen a little bit of the immediacy of what happens if you break trust with what happened with the government and Dominic Cummings last week but it is an example of how it also can be broken by a click of a finger and, and I think that's something that needs to be brought into the equation when and we, as we do when we're coaching and using the horses because actually uh, in your book you talk about the trust mirror and the way that horses think and how who they want to know who you are what do you want and how do you operate and those those three questions is really really important about how we we should be structuring the way that we look at trust
0: absolutely yeah so uh, that's why i love clients coming up with the horses because Trust is that, you know, another of those really elusive qualities like empathy and and other things that the horses just manage to somehow make tangible for clients. When clients come out, we do a number of trust exercises with the horses. And like any great leader, the horses aren't going to come with you unless they trust you. But I think the, the important thing to realize about trust is to get really, really good trust, it takes a long time to build. And like you said, and you lose it in a heartbeat. So, I noticed with my own horses, I've I've kind of got a penchant for rescuing traumatized horses. And actually, building trust with them is absolutely the first thing I have to do. And the way that I build trust with them initially is just to spend some time with them and get to know them as people, just in the same way that you'd need to nurture a client uh, in the workplace. And it's also about being very respectful with trust about other people's boundaries. You don't walk into somebody's personal space if they don't want it. You need to recognize and be able to read that body language. And I know we spoke on a previous podcast about the importance of reading body language, particularly in a post-COVID era having that sensory acuity to be able to read body language is really important because I think that's fundamental for trust but Andrew you talked about those questions about the trust mirror and I'd just like to share a bit of a funny story with with our listeners because we were saying the trust mirror the horses are asking who are you what do you want and how do you operate and Early on, when I had my horse, Toby, the first horse that I ever had, I had a situation where I was working in London. I had my horse on full livery, so somebody else looked after him, and I just only went to see him at the weekend. And I tended to walk up there with an agenda that I just wanted to go and ride him. And I I think I've shared some stories before about how I didn't catch him for a whole summer. But I suspect his thinking was something along these lines of, who are you? Well, that's my miserable owner who only turns up at the weekends. (laughs) Would you want? Well, she wants to throw a saddle and bridle on me and expects me to take her for a ride. And how do you operate? Well, she's being really self-serving. It's all about her. She cares nothing for my feelings or what I want out of this relationship. Of course, as I said, I didn't catch him for a whole summer. So I think when we've got that kind of frame of reference, that's what people are looking for. We can take that back into the workplace and start to build trust with colleagues and or with clients, filtering things through these things. These three uh, questions as well
1: it's ironic that you point out in your book that we spend millions of pounds annually developing competency skills in our team members when really our focus should be on developing character skills in the areas of integrity authenticity and discipline and that is what I think the horses certainly uh, teach us and we've got to build that trust And I've been looking and reading around this this subject a little bit. And the name Gloria Barak or Barzak, we put it in the show notes from Northeastern University. She talks about how teams build, build trust. And there are two ways or two parts that teams build trust. The effective and the cognitive. And the effective is the confidence, which places a team member in a group that's built on empathy and the cognitive is the competence and the reliability that the horses pick up on and notice and mix those, those two t- together. And it also comes down to for building trust, this ability to be self-aware of one's own position, how one works. And that also, you, you rightly point out the way that we use body language is very, very important. And the way that we we use the horses and then do the coaching and building up gravitas, because the substance of gravitas is what sits at the very element of how we build trust and that that feeling of respect and how you build it and it's part of the way that we then develop our character
0: and i'm sure andrew you know working with speakers and being a speaker myself you as a speaker have to exude trust when you get on stage or you know you're you're sitting in a client meeting clients want that confidence and they only have that confidence if you trust yourself and you know how you're showing up and also you've got trust in the process about how things are going to go on so you know how are how are you helping clients build that kind of trust and gravitas maybe on stage for example.
1: Indeed and it's how you use the body, how you use your palms, how you use your hands, how you use your face, all of the nonverbal and the verbal coming together. It's also about how you use words, how you use your expertise, you build your authenticity around the knowledge that you have and the confidence that gives you to build as I call it, a portfolio of gravitas or gravitas portfolio. And there's lots of little things that add and build up before you then have, I suppose, the the full gravitas that that is needed to to bring some of these things off and to be able to walk the floor in in your business. And from there, you can talk the talk and walk walk the walk, but it's the way that you develop people and you build their confidence and you build that loyalty because as we keep saying already today leaders cannot break trust with people because if they do they then can't continue to influence them and I think that's sometimes misunderstood because it can go with the click of a finger so we've got to know who we are in ourselves what we want and that means getting our message our communication our connections right and then how do we operate with them? And how do we build up that trust and respect space?
0: You know, that just makes me think of an analogy that John Maxwell has about, about trust. He sees it as a bit of a piggy bank. Put, you're putting money in the piggy bank, aka trust, in the piggy bank, but break that trust and you just shatter everything. So that's why we're always talking about it takes a long time to build and it's quick to break. You certainly see that with the horses. I, I had a a young horse that came to me called Bracken. Some people on the show might have even met her. She was terrified of people when she came to, came to me. And it took, it took a long time to build that trust with her. But then we get into an interesting conundrum when we get maybe too much trust with people because there's a fine balance of trust and respect. So in, in any relationship, we want trust to be equal. But what you can find is, and what I found with Bracken was she she started not trusting me because I would ask something of her and she didn't do it. I I kind of said, oh, well, she's just young. She's in her training. It's all right. I I won't follow through with that action. But then I lost credibility, Andrew, in my actions because... I'd asked her to do something and then she thought, oh, yeah, I'm not serious about that. Why do I need to do that? And I think we see this a lot in the workplace where, say, for example, somebody's late for a meeting and the boss or the leader might reprimand you for being late, but he says it, but it's like words, but he doesn't really mean it. And so you keep being late and you keep being late, and you keep being late. And now you're being disrespectful because you're late the meeting so it's so this ties back to what you're just saying it's really important as leaders that we walk the talk in our integrity so if we are going to reprimand somebody or do something we need to follow that through to its natural conclusion otherwise people lose trust and don't we, we lose credibility in our actions and at the heart of it for me Trust It's all about showing up and doing what you say you're going to do.
1: That hits the nail very firmly on the head there. And it comes back to the point you made uh, earlier about listening to yourself, trusting yourself, and going, I suppose, with the instinct and with your gut feeling. Once we can trust ourselves and trust what we're doing, then that all builds up, as I say, into gravitas and it helps us build up that loyalty and work with colleagues and teams. It's quite interesting how we look at it and we look at the way that nature builds trust.
0: Yeah, well, certainly, you know, within the horse herd, horses live as a herd because they are prey animals. And so they're living collectively together because that's safer. But they've got to trust that everyone in their team, in their herd, is actually paying attention and looking for the danger at any point in time. And what's interesting is you see the lead mare going throughout the herd and checking that everyone is paying attention. So what she'll do is she'll kind of, in inverted commas, sneak up on a horse. The horse hasn't seen her before she kind of gets right up to them. They're clearly not paying enough attention because that could have been a mountain lion that would have killed one of the horses within the herd. So there was no kind of collective responsibility there. So you've, you've always got to trust in a team that your colleagues are going to do what they say they're going to do. And I think in most of the cases where I see a lack of dysfunction of teams it's because there's a lack of trust. And Patrick Lezioni with his five dysfunctions of a team, the first thing is a lack of trust. And if there's a lack of trust, then just everything breaks down. And I think what's interesting right now with COVID is obviously we've got a lot of people working at home. And I know for a number of companies, one of their reasons historically for not letting team members work at home is because we didn't trust them. We weren't really sure, were they just going to pretend and charge us for a day's work and not do anything? And I think what's kind of interesting is that being forced into this this situation, a lot of employers are actually realising that, their team members working at home are doing way more because they've not got all that social chit chat going on and i know i was just talking with my brother last night and he says he's just doing crazy hours now he's working at home and i said to him you need to make some clear delineations in your life between work and non-work because it's so easy and actually i think employers have been surprised by the level of productivity people have put in working from home And have began to trust that that their team members can do it. But that's just another example of how employees have demonstrated and built trust with their employers that they can work at home. Not the best circumstances to have have tried it, but that's where we are right now.
1: And the other thing that I've been talking to a lot of my coaches about building trust is the contract. A lot of us don't contract with each other. A lot of us don't contract with each other about what is needed in a project or to get a plan off the ground. Uh, And then because we don't contract, things don't happen and nobody really gets the blame because everybody blames each other and it forms a lack of trust. That is something that is missing today in in the workplace. And perhaps that's what's missing with the leaders that we've been talking about. It comes down to the way that we are characters, our connections and and the way that we can use just basic techniques to get the trust ladder built.
0: Yeah, and I think one of those basic ways, and this might shock some listeners, is being vulnerable. People are drawn to people who are um, authentic and say what it's like. So the, the leaders that I've seen being really successful right now are the ones that have actually said to the team members and been vulnerable and said, well, this is what we're planning to do right now. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but this is where we are right now. So they've, been, they've, they've shared that vulnerability about what's going on because that therefore makes them relatable. Now, you know, let's just be clear. If you're being vulnerable all day, every day, then your team members are going to lose credibility with you. But I think to show some vulnerability and to not show up like you know everything all of the time can be very, very powerful. So I think vulnerability is one of the things and Patrick Lezioni actually talks about and has some amazing exercises to do when, and I use them as well when I'm working with clients. It's about sharing stories because we all relate to other people. We build trust when we know more about our colleague. If you are able to share some, some personal details or some snippets about your life, It just makes you more relatable to other people. And then you've now got some shared experiences. And when you've got those shared experiences, now you've got something to talk about. So, for example, uh, a friend of mine at the weekend bought over a bike and we went on a social distance bike ride. Now, I hadn't ridden a bike in 20 years. And Andrew, you'll love this because I know you're a massive cycling fan. (laughs) You should have just seen me on this bike. It was absolutely terrifying from my perspective. But they they were very interested in cycling. They're they're a cycling nut too. And it was just interesting that now we have another thread to talk about because we've now got some shared experiences of cycling in this particular case. But when we start sharing stories with other people about what we've done, that's a great way to build trust quite quickly with people.
1: Trustworthiness cannot be faked or copied. And I think your storytelling brings it to life and know that it's a real life experience, they can put their trust in that because somebody has had that experience before. I work with a lot of people on getting the stories because they give me a lot of facts, but the facts don't come alive and actually you turn people off. And if you can put some storytelling around a subject and show your vulnerability, then people click on very, very, very quickly to you and as a person or a speaker and it comes back to that how you communicate so I think it's very powerful
0: and as I said for me it's it's kind of the fundamental underpinning of, of everything in business we just have to well, I mean, let's just take the example of, of sales and marketing. It's everything. You, it's rare that a client will build buy from you on the first interaction. We need to build trust. We need to build credibility. We need to be authentic. And only when we, have as you said, you know, we've, we've built up that trust ladder. You've got some money in the bank, so to speak, that we, we've demonstrated we're trustworthy. And then we're able really to to make an offer to a prospect or a, a, a client. We always talk about social media. It's all about know, like, and trust, isn't it? And and so you've got to get to know somebody like them. And then at the point when you're at trust, then that's when somebody will start to hopefully engage in an interaction with you. But this, this can take time. Uh, and everyone has their own feed at which they want to build trust. So if I think about my horses, Toby, my horse, is quite slow to build trust with people. That's more his personality, he's, he's a lot more wary. Whereas actually Bracken, she's happy, she, she'd be friends with anyone. She has pretty high levels of trust, and that's perhaps because of she's she's learnt that from me over the years. It's kind of interesting to see that also people have different speeds at which they will build trust, and different speeds with which they'll build trust with different people. And where you've got that commonality that one might the, the trust building might happen a lot faster than if, if you met somebody that you you really didn't have any frame of reference with, and therefore it might take a lot longer.
1: And I follow somebody called Janet Murray, and she talks about this very thing about building trust and building client bases, and for, for sales and marketing, and what we've just said about most people won't buy from strangers, and the research suggests, as we have alluded to, that most people need at least seven or eight touch points before they then. By. So how do you then build up that trust?
0: Well, I'm kind of conscious, Andrew, where we are on the time for this podcast. I think we could probably talk about trust all day. It's such a such a big subject. But perhaps I'd just like to close it off with this quote from Stephen R. Covey from his book, The Speed of Trust, which is a great book that everyone should get, which is, Trust is the biggest business commodity of the decade without trust, relationships and businesses falter. And I just think that sums up so greatly what we've just been talking about today that without that trust, there is no business, there are no relationships with people and everything's going to start struggling. If you don't have trust with your partner, then it happens there too. So so trust really underpins everything that we do. And I just hope that everyone's found some of our thoughts here on, on trust useful. We'd love to hear your thoughts on trust and what you've been doing to build trust during these times if you're running a team remotely how have you been trying to build trust with your team at these times so please share some comments below in the show notes and we look forward to speaking to you on the next podcast hey andrew
1: look forward to it
0: thanks for listening to impact for the podcast if you've liked this episode please leave a rating on itunes or stitcher recommendations are essential for attracting new listeners and if you want to learn more, go to impactfulthepodcast.com forward/freestop. Remember you're always making an impact. what impact will you make today?